1: Welcome back. It is the NFC East Mixtape Volume 8 presented to you in partnership with Blogging the Boys and Bleeding Green Nation and SB Nation product. He is Brandon Lee Godden. I am RJ Ochoa. As always, you can listen to us on both the BGN and BTB feeds, the biggest crossover event ever. BLG, happy Wednesday to you. Hope your week's going well. RJ, uh,
2: I have a bone to pick.
1: Not with you, surprisingly,
2: this time. But, uh, and it's something related to the listeners, I suppose. It's with Apple. You know, get this new update on my phone. And uh, what's up with the podcast? Like all the podcasts I have. um, So I don't always subscribe to everything. because I don't always want every single episode of every podcast to download, download automatically on my phone. And uh, so like, I feel like I had to go back and like follow all of them. So uh, if you're in the same situation, make sure you do that with bleeding
1: green nation, I guess, and blogging the voice. So BLG recently updated his iPhone is uh, what I took away from that uh, because I did that about a week and a half ago. And you're right. Apple changed dramatically. Like there's there's always been these like subtle differences from one software to the next. Um, and so but they really changed the way podcasts are viewed. And in fact, to your point, BLG, you use the money term there. I, I, as I understand it, you no longer subscribe to podcasts. You follow them. Uh, Mm -hmm. so everybody make sure you're following both blogging the boys and bleeding green nation make sure to leave a rating for both leave five stars for both and write a review on each of them if you're a cowboys fan praise the cowboys on ours but you can go to bgns and you can say whatever you want say the eagles suck but as long as you leave five stars and follow along uh that is what is appreciated but blg so for the listener Um, The loyal listener, BLG and I have discovered through the mixtape that we have a lot more common interest than I think we even thought. Uh, Some of them are not even sports podcasts, as an example. And I think that you're like me in that I am very particular about the way my podcast app is kind of organized. And what is really bothersome to me is the app previously if you organized it or if you had the view that was like the cover art you know what I'm talking about for each podcast mm-hmm. and each feed or whatever it used yeah. to show you the unplayed episode count like it would tell you one or two or whatever and they changed that and now it doesn't have that that ticker or that counter it it just says updated today or last updated Wednesday, last updated Monday. So now there's no real way to kind of remind yourself, oh, I have this podcast to listen to. It's really, really bothersome. I do have a solution, though, in terms of how I've gone about it that I can share with you offline if you prefer
2: yeah i mean maybe this is hacky complaining about new (laughs) updates to everything i mean this is life you know everyone back in the day when people actually use facebook we're like oh my gosh the new facebook update so unusable i can't even use it and then you get used to it and then they change it again so i mean some of that is going on here but i mean like legitimately i had to go back and follow some and i feel like maybe i'm missing one like maybe there was a podcast i don't listen to super often that like i forgot to follow and maybe i'm just never gonna listen to that again so again hopefully that's not the case with this i mean if it's if it is the case, then you're not listening to this. And that's really sad. But uh, oh, yeah. if you are, then you're fine. So good.
1: Uh, if it is the case, nobody heard what you just said. So yeah. uh, come, if, if you want to complain about uh, the Apple Podcast app, you can hit up BLG on Twitter at Brandon Gotten. I'm on Twitter at RJ Today, we are continuing our series of building an all-NFC East team. In fact, this is the final component of the team. Two weeks ago, we did an all-NFC East offense. Last week, we did an all-NFC East defense. Today, BLG, we're going to fill out the special teams and put together a head coach and general manager tandem for the best division in football before we do though a little bit of news a little bit of notes Uh, not a lot going on it is mini camp season Um, we're starting with some very somber news some very unfortunate news it was announced on Tuesday morning that on Monday evening former New York Giants head coach Jim Fossil passed away At the age of 71, obviously a longtime coach in this division, heading the G-men, took them to the Super Bowl. They lost to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Jim Fossil's son, BLG, as you know, is John Fossil, the current special teams coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, So lots of NFC East-ness going on there. I know it goes without saying that our thoughts and prayers are with the Fossil family.
2: Yeah, I don't really have a memory of him. Uh, I'm,
1: I'm actually younger than you, RJ. I'm only 29. You're what? I'm 31, so yeah, I mean, 31. You, that's not like push the envelope mm. here. Like I'm younger. It's it's just right in the same. I am neck of super the woods.
2: younger than you, uh, <laughs> you old man. And I have really no memory uh, of him as a Giants head coach. So like I don't I don't have a lot of uh, you know perspective to add here. But certainly you know it seems like he was a, a, a you know, like a beloved coach there for a time. They had some success. So uh, yeah, you know it's sad. And, and 71, I think, is relatively young. Um, so it's 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 a sad day.
1: Very sad day indeed. I know that John Fossil obviously is uh, tending to family matters right now. Mike McCarthy mentioned that on Tuesday, um, as understandably is the case. Other news, uh, not an easy thing to transition from. Um, Speaking of the Giants, BLG, uh, we have both talked about how there's this kind of sneaky, massive uh, responsibility hovering around Saquon Barkley on his shoulders, on his quads, um, if you're proverbial national Twitter account. Um, And he is Still only rehabbing when it comes to everything that the Giants have going on right now. Um, with, you know, with regards to Giants fans, one to ten, how concerning is that in your mind?
2: Um, it's concerning enough to like be on the radar, like something to monitor, but obviously not enough to uh, panic. So maybe like a two. At most, if we're saying 10, and you know, uh, panic level, uh, but yeah, going to the point you made though, when uh, my co host on the SB Nation NFL show, Rob Satskara, and I were doing the, the players under the most pressure in the NFL this year, um, for an episode that we did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Saquon is on that list, and I think it's true. I think for the Giants to have this kind of big year, I think the Giants are going to kind of need to ride Saquon the way the Cowboys have rode Zeke, and obviously you can draw some parallels there with Jason Garrett being the offensive coordinator. Uh, So... I think it's a big deal if he isn't healthy, but I mean, you know, look, this is the time of year where you want to play it smart with these guys. You don't want to be like the 49ers and be losing Mm. multiple people already, which is kind of the point of the players who wanted to hold out and not practice and not, you know, do this
1: contact stuff and have their seasons end already. So uh, not a huge concern. Rob Statzker, also my co-host on the SB Nation NFL show, he is pretty upset about all of the injuries that the 49ers are suffering these days. Uh, that is really the Stats way, though. You want to talk about old man. Stats is super old. So, you know, That's watch true. out for that. Uh, but anyway, so uh, last bit of news to get to uh, in the division. Um, I think the most lock... Defensive player we had goes without saying was Chase Young. By the way, on the subject of the defensive episode we did, there was a lot of Demarcus Lawrence defending going on on twitter.com People thinking that you were crazy for slandering him. Just just reading the facts, you know, no big deal. Uh, but Chase Young, obviously of the Washington Football Team, was not present for OTAs, but was at mini camp on Tuesday. Big shocker. Guys show up when it's mandatory. Okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're impressed. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, know, it's, it's notable. It's all I'm saying. It's uh, notable.
2: I mean, it's June. You can get fined if you don't show up. So you kind of got to show up. That's the deal. Uh, although the team can, in theory, waive those fines. Like, I guess, was being considered there in Rodgers and everything. But uh, I guess we don't need to get into that here.
1: Um, so I have one more thing. This wasn't on our rundown BLG to get to before we, we fill out the special teams roster here. Did you see the Washington football team Twitter accounts uh, tweet about Ryan Fitzpatrick? Did you see this? I did. Yes. Okay. So it was like, you know, everyone's seen the photos of little kids when they go to like their first day of preschool or first grade. And it says like, my favorite color is whatever. And it's a little kind of one-on-one on the kid. Uh, the Washington football team did this on Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ha ha. It's funny. Cause he's older. He's been in the NFL forever. It's super hilarious. Blah, blah. Um, I saw Adam Schefter and I'm not trying to throw a Shefty under the bus here. Mm. Adam, if you want to come on, you know, the NFC's mixtape, you're more than welcome, but make sure to follow, mm-hmm. you know, rate and review before you do so. Um, yeah. he, he had a tweet that was like, I'm not sure what, which is better, Ryan Fitzpatrick or the Washington football team social media team. And I don't even want to dog the Washington football team social team because they're actually kind of friendly with us at Blogging the Boys. We have some friendly banter that goes mm. back and forth once once in a while. So I applaud them. All I'm, I'm actually more upset at the fanfare about this. Like, this is not a Again, this is not a shot at the Washington football team, social team. This is not like an original thing. This has been done before, right? Like other NFL teams, other like teams do this. Other sports teams do this, like around any kind of training camp or spring training or whatever. This is a really common thing to do this time of year. I couldn't believe how people fell all over themselves for this tweet.
2: Uh RJ, you're wrong, as usual. <laughs> and I think what this speaks to, and I think something that I've turned towards more recently than ever before i'm a big vibes guy now i'm all about vibes i mean Uh, forget stats forget watching the games no that's important too but vibes are extremely important and i talk about it with big loser energy which jill smith has big big winner energy as well which Jalen hurts has and i think there's something to vibes and with ryan fitzpatrick there's something like to him being fun we all say that we always talk about how fun ryan fitzpatrick is and i think that's relevant because You saw it last year with the Dolphins. Like they rallied around Ryan Fitzpatrick. They were feisty. And then even the year before when they were like selling off their entire team and everyone thought they were going to be like this joke of a team that goes winless and like gets blown out every game. They weren't in part because Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of rallies the guys. Everyone loves playing with him and for him. He's fun. So I think it kind of speaks to that. I get if you're annoyed at the social media side, whatever. But I think there's something very real there about like people, his teammates, especially they like him and he's fun.
1: I don't dispute that he's fun. He's a great meme. Like we all can acknowledge this. And in a social sense, kudos to the Washington football team team for creating content out of it. All I'm saying is the response I saw on Twitter was as if like, this was this insanely original idea. That's all I'm saying. Like, you know, BLG you are a really astute individual our comedic tastes you know we have a certain bar you have to clear that's all i'm saying like give me something that is a little bit more unique a little bit more original and i'll understand all the pomp and circumstance this didn't meet that criteria for me but it was still a really cool clever thing that's just twitter though rj like sure.
2: there's there's tweets one day that is like disinformation and presented a certain way and this one person tweets it and only gets like let's say 200 retweets but then like Schefter tweets it the next day and it's like the same thing and that you know blows up and it's like stories it's like sometimes it just depends you know who says it and how it's framed and I think also just like maybe the time of day like how many people are paying attention at a given moment some things just hit different at certain times uh that annoys me when they're like eagle stories like it's something like this happened a lot this offseason with the Eagles specifically because it was like wow Mm. the Eagles uh uh, they're going to release Alshon Jeffrey and Millie Jackson. And that became like a report. It's like we knew that back in January because they like restructured the contract so they can post one post June 1 cut them. Like it's not news. Like we all knew this. I So I always hate that. That's my pet peeve when like someone brings something up like that was already out there and like presenting it as this brand new thing that no one talked about. So So on that part of it, I can agree. That can be annoying,
1: but this was fun and <laughs> you have to live with it. Uh, Anyway, okay, let's move on. Uh, Special teams time. um, We decided, BLG decided, uh, he was the person who built the rubric for this. So if you disagree with it, um, you know, you can delegate your criticisms towards him. Uh, BLG, we're going to put together a squad that has a punter, a kicker, a long snapper, and both a punt returner and a kick returner. Mm-hmm. You did not specify whether this has to be a different person. It can be the same. That's at least the way I played the game. Bit of a spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after that, we'll fil- uh, figure out a head coach and a general manager uh, to oversee the NFC East. I think you will be surprised with how I want to go in that capacity, but I don't want to ruin that. Um, it was your format, so I'll allow you to go first. Pick whatever position you want and tell us who you've got.
2: Let me go right down the line from the list I sent you and start with punter. And I think it has to be and I can't I like I know people are just like waiting on like just they, they can't wait for us. The specialty we're talking about a punter, but it's chess way RJ uh, and I don't know who else it would be. I was looking the list of punters in the NFC. So you have Aaron Sipas and the Eagles who has never even punted in the NFL before. So it's not him Tress Way has made a pro bowl. I know like the Hogs Havens guys have like been pumping him up for a long time, especially because like they used to be. When they were like really at their at their low some of their lowest points in recent years, they're like, Well, at least we have trust way. So uh, that's about it.
1: Um, so the Cowboys, for what it's worth, in terms of if we're just discussing their punting options, uh, last year they finally effectively said goodbye to Chris Jones. This this offseason, they finally released him. They held on to him way too long. I think there was a point in time. And this is a difficult thing to achieve where Chris Jones was underrated as a cowboy. It is incredibly difficult to be underrated while a member of the Dallas mm. Cowboys, but it still did happen to Chris Jones. Uh, but the Cowboys held on way too long that like they do with way too many people. He got hurt. Uh, They went with Hunter Nicewander, who has only played in eight games in his NFL career, all with the Dallas Cowboys. John Fossil said last week, obviously before this week, um, that Brian Anger, who the Cowboys signed this offseason, looks like the favorite to win the job. Brian Anger, a fun fact, if any of you are ever on Jeopardy or playing pub trivia or anything like that was the punter who was drafted in the third round by the Jacksonville Jaguars that's uh, caused Rich Eisen to coin his famed punters are people to comment. Uh, but still, Brian Anger, while a veteran in the NFL, not somebody that I can feel comfortable enough putting on this list. Tressway wins in the landslide. I mean, seriously, like how is this a competition? It's, are you a Mandalorian fan, BLG? Yeah, yes. Okay, so this is the Tress Way, really.
2: Uh, I like how you're dropping Jeffrey references now when you never watched the show before.
1: I mean, hey, I mean, I've, I have watched, honestly, seriously, every episode since Aaron Rodgers hosted, and I've enjoyed mm. all of the different hosts. It's been fun. It's been an interesting experience. I feel wiser and more astute.
2: Uh, yes, you are correct. It's a good show. Um, kicker. I'm going to say it's not the Cowboys kicker. Spoiler alert. Um, it's Graham Gannett.
1: Well, okay, so I I'll, I have a, a question for you, but I'll agree mm-hmm. with you. It is Graham Gano. but go ahead.
2: I mean, it's just simple. Like, he missed one field goal last year, and it was from 50-plus. Right. He, he was a 96.9 field goal percentage, 91.3 extra point percentage compared to Greg Zerline. He was at 82.9. He was at 91.7 for extra point. Uh, Jake Elliott has not been good, so it can't be him. Dustin Hopkins has not been good, so it can't be him. It's Graham Gano.
1: Jake Elliott to me is uh, a classic example of like a great moment that people always reference and the, and then use that to cater for the player, like the game winner against the giants in 2017, early on. That's all. That's all anyone can ever remember or any Eagles fan, I presume, which is why they are refusing to let go of him. Um, It's a symptom. We need to name that symptom. I think that happens to football fans all the time. Uh, That's unfortunate. I am just in a, general sense i am up on greg zirland i actually wrote about this recently if you saw that yes um i do think i mean he attempted more field goals than anybody last year and he was as far as his career is concerned suspiciously down from downtown but i believe he attempted nine field goals from 50 plus range that's a lot um i don't think the cowboys will have to settle for as many field goals he attempted by the way more field goals than anybody in the nfl last year so uh logic suggests that that will be down um, so I am with you. It's Graham Gano Again, if you go, what he was 31 of 32, I believe. I mean, you, you win this honor. Um, so the giants didn't have a, a big presence on our all NFCs team, but Hey, they're coming up strong. They have a kicker. Uh, but I had a question for you, BLG. It's about kickers. This is more of a philosophical thing. I've written about it before, uh, as it pertained to Dan Bailey at the time, I am completely against kickers being your kickoff kicker. I don't think that that hmm. should be the case ever because, and this was, again, this was kind of four years ago. I did a deeper dive on Dan Bailey specifically, but you think about all that energy that they are using on kickoffs, especially at the time, you know, Dan Bailey, at least if you're on a really good offense, that's a lot of kickoffs. And that's just the kickoffs in games. You've got to practice kickoffs. You know, you got like, I know I'm getting kind of nitty gritty here, but if you're an elite offensive weapon, which Dan Bailey was, and we're being totally serious here. Why would you not want to isolate the energy for the kicks that matter? You know what I mean.
2: But then you're tiring out your punter. In well, theory, who would you rather tire out? Uh, I mean, the kickoff. I mean, how many punters kick off in the NFL? I mean, it's it's just, it's like what less than fewer than ten probably. It's, I would think it's off the top of my head. Definitely single digits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. Hasn't been a big issue to this point. I do think it's interesting when punters do it. And I think some punters are probably more equipped to do it, especially when you're looking at an older guy. Like, I don't think like Robbie Gold, if, if he's still kicking, right? I don't think like he does that. I think sometimes, you know, to preserve an older player, maybe it makes more sense. But if it's a young guy, come on, they're barely, they're barely out there anyway. They're only playing like a few snaps per game. They can handle it. It's fine. They're being paid millions of dollars, RJ.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to say, like, it's the difference between a Super Bowl team and a non-Super Bowl team, but it's just, it's an interesting exercise, no pun intended, I think that, you know, should be, should be talked about, that's all I'm saying, like, I I would like to have this conversation with John Harbaugh, you know what I mean, a special teams master, you know, certainly with his time with the worst franchise in the NFL, but um, anyway, it is what it is, so we've got Tressway, Graham Gano. Uh you were very excited to talk about the long snapper on the all NFC East team. Um and so I'll give you the stage second to kind of make your case and I'll make mine first. Mm-hmm. Um sure. I be- I believe we spoke about this on the first volume of the NFC's mixtape the Cowboys cut LP Laddisher this offseason who uh was their longest tenured player and the reason for that that a lot of Cowboys fans tinfoil hat believe in case anybody forgot is because this season he would have passed Jason Witten for most games played as a Dallas Cowboy and that sounds so stupid to say that that would be the reason that they would move on from him but the Jones family adores Jason Whitten and really want him to kind of be the face of their era ownership of the team Um, so I think there's more substance to it than the average person might think but it's also worth mentioning the Cowboys did replace him with Jake McQuaid who knows John Fossil from their time together with the Los Angeles Rams and that is two-time Pro Bowler Jake McQuaid, BLG. So mm. while Jake hasn't, you know, played a snap or rather given a snap within the NFC East, I do think he is already heavily in contention to be the long snapper of this team.
2: Uh, you brought up Jason Witten. I actually wanted to bring him up earlier. You talked about you know Jake Elliott being this player who kind of had this one big moment that everyone remembers, and obviously we know the same thing is true for Jason Witten, who infamously ran down the field without his helmet on. And everyone thought he was awesome after that. Like, wow, this is amazing. He's an incredible player because he's not wearing a helmet. Look at that. So it's just wanted to throw that in there. And then I wanted to say it's Rick Lovato. I mean, he has one Pro Bowl ring, sure, but he also has a Super Bowl ring, RJ, the most prestigious what? and important. He is a Super Bowl winning long snapper. I mean, the guy who you said, who I don't even know and I've never heard of, he's not. So it's Rick Lovato, case closed. Jake McQuaid, though, two-time Pro Bowler. Again, seriously, we're he, going off. When in did the, he win those? In the,
1: uh, the last two years.
2: Hmm. So he was in the AFC then? Where was he on? No, he team was, was
1: he on? He was on the Rams. Hmm. Again, was, it, when, when, the, when the Cowboys signed him, I'm sorry, it was 2016 and 2017. So we are See, actually talking say, about... The, yeah. We are talking about a, the same era here of elite. This is a long experience. time
2: ago, RJ. Rick Lovato so won in Super 2019. Bowl? Oh, no. no I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm
1: sorry.
2: At least in Pro Bowl. I mean, Pro, Rick Lovato has won a Super Bowl and made the Pro Bowl more recently than whoever that guy you're saying is. So I still don't know his name.
1: Uh, think I think I made things, him up. So it's Rick Lovato. Yeah. Um, it's, it's Rick Lovato. It just is. I, I suppose objectively, just, that's fair. So fine. It's Rick Lovato, which further cements that DeMarcus Lawrence took Brandon Graham's spot at the other defensive end spot. So um, it is what it is. All right, Rick Lovato. We have our return men left to establish BLG. Do you want to talk punt returns? Do you want to talk kick returns? Uh, again, I tip my hand here. I only have one player set to command both duties here. Um, where do you want to go?
2: So I don't have a great answer for this one. Cause so I was looking it up and I don't think a great answer exists. I originally, I had CD lamb in here, but like only seven, Dude, that's not going to happen this year.
1: Well, and that's not going to well, happen this year.
2: That's the other part of it. But also like, he's not even that good at it. Like 7.2 average last year isn't good. And I look back to college. he only had 8.8 and zero touchdowns. So I was like, that's not good either. Uh, I don't know if Jalen Rager is going to do it this year. He should have been doing it more last year, but the, like the coaching staff clearly didn't trust him to. I don't think it was sort of lack of ability as much as it was like they didn't trust him to field the ball, and that's something he can you know improve on in theory, maybe hopefully in the offseason. He did have a seventy-three yard touchdown return last year, and he was really good in college as a punt returner, um, seventeen point eight average. He had two touchdowns, so and that's actually something they talked about. Like Eagles talked about him, like part of why they drafted him, like the value that He had as a punt returner, and then they did over have Justin him time Jefferson. Puns. Uh, no, not not definitely not a good justification, but it's something they did bring up. Like the coaches talked about it, it's something like we thought we were going to see, and then we just didn't. And they had Greg Ward back there instead, who Greg Ward is basically like a Reno Mahe, if you will, just like he's going to fair catch the ball, and that's about it. Um, so I think Rager on ability, but then too, and I don't think this is going to happen, so this kind of like falls into the CD Lamb category. I mean, Devontae Smith had 11 returns last year. It's small sample size, but for 237 yards, that's a 21.5 average on punt returns. I know it's Alabama, so that helps. But like, and he had a touchdown, by the way. So I think Devontae, interestingly, gets a lot of comparisons to Deshaun Jackson, which is like weird because he's not the same kind of player at all. Like Deshaun's a burner Mm -hmm. and like probably the best burner or one of them, one of the very best in NFL history. Like Devontae is not that. But I do think we could see Devontae Smith in high leverage punt situations, like the Eagles kind of used Deshaun Jackson as he kinda of got older and he kinda of got too like mature for playing full-time punt returner. But if Devontae's back on there, like I think he's pretty good, but I think I almost just might give it to Jalen Rager just because of college. But I don't know who else I could put here.
1: So I agree with you. My perspective on this subject has changed maybe as i've gotten older i used to think like when des bryant was really young i used to think put him back there like when antonio brown used to return punts all the time for the steelers kind of in his heyday i used to think like you're wasting an opportunity to put the ball in his hands um but as i've gotten older i've kind of again maybe i'm just like lame now uh, or lamer but I, now I'm of the mindset, C.D. Lamb? No, I don't want that. Just keep him on offense. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not worth the, the small risk that it carries. If I was you, I wouldn't want Devontae Smith out there. Although, as a rookie on a team that is going to struggle, it is another – you know, wait, there's another way to look at it where it's a little bit more of a valuable learning moment for him. Um, So you can make that argument differently. CeeDee Lamb, for what it's worth, you mentioned Jalen Rager had a touchdown. CeeDee did have a kickoff return for a touchdown. This is something Cowboys fans say that isn't really worth bragging about. It was an onside kick that the 49ers had, and he actually shouldn't have even returned it to the house uh, had he just taken a knee. The Cowboys could have uh, controlled the clock and won the game. This is That's a whole different subject, maybe a, a subject for a different day. I once chastised Byron Jones for returning an interception to the house against Washington Mm. for the very same reason. And all these like fun havers got on my case and were like, just let him return it. But it's like, yo, if if you can guarantee victory faster, do it. You know what I mean? So
2: so on this point, RJ, I mean, maybe you're just taking some lessons that the Eagles are teaching you because I remember a certain Brian Westbrook kneeling down at the goal line, which like killed everyone.
1: And Miles, Miles Sanders did this to you guys too, in 2019. I was at the Brian Westbrook game and what, you know, to go back to the kind of what we started with the the Adam Schefter Twitter thing and granted social media wasn't at this place and like in 2007, you were limited to what you saw on, you know, NFL network or ESPN in terms of sports talk consumption. But I remember at the time and because I was at that game, I was even more particularly annoyed. That was, by the way, the Jessica Simpson game for the Cowboys, um, the pink jersey. Yeah, good times. Uh, but like I, at that point, I mean, I've been playing Madden at that point for like 10 years, and I would do that all the time on Madden. And I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm this genius, but when Brian Westbrook did it, the whole world was like, what a genius. It was like, no, this is like respect to Brian Westbrook, but this is really common sense. And the Mm. same thing happened, what was it, three? Years ago when Todd Gurley did it in Los Angeles, and everybody was like, Oh my gosh, what an absolute genius. No, this is common sense. I can't believe people fall over themselves for this all the time. Uh
2: yeah, so really smart. How did we get here, by the way? I totally uh, don't remember how we got.
1: Here. We're, we were talking about CD Lamb's uh kickoff okay. return for a touchdown. Oh, that yes. shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that subject. I don't think Devonte Smith qualifies because he probably won't do it that much. Uh, no. So you're the only real contender here that you've presented is Jalen Rager. Allow me to present one that you haven't considered. And this really mm-hmm. isn't Cowboys caping as much as it is just objective data. The best, you know, finisher in terms of the return game last year in the division is was Tony Pollard who was awful at it by the way, early on in the season. I mean, There's a lot of tweets of mine really trashing him for how he was handling things, but he finished BLG fourth in total kick return yards last season, fifth in total return yards in general, if you do include punt return yards. He finished seventh in average kickoff return yardage. I mean, that's pretty high. Like, if you're a top 10 dude, I think, like, that alone puts you in the conversation here. He's obviously very fast. I don't know if you've seen this. He's been... Playing some receiver in OTAs and mini camps, and a lot of Cowboys fans freaking out about this. Um, whatever, but I mean, I think he's the guy personally. Uh,
2: no, his punt return numbers in college <laughs> weren't good. I was gonna let him, but I well, do have him as my kick returner.
1: I'm that's fine. I'm fine if we want to go a different direction for punt returns. I had Tony at both, so I'm really more you know going to bat for him in the kick return game. Um, so if we're fine establishing him there, I'm cool with that. If we want to put Jalen Rager as the punt returner, I won't lose any sleep over that either.
2: Thirty one, thirty point one 30.1 average on kick returns in college at Memphis and then seven touchdowns seven touchdowns on kick returns in college so that's pretty good yeah um, he was a beast he, I mean he's only had a 22.0 average overall as a pro so like clearly hasn't been you know a monster or a weapon as a kick returner in the pros so it's kind of slim pickings here you know I, I just really didn't know who else to pick but if it has to be anyone I think it's Tony Pollard for kick returns not punt returns
1: Putt returns, um, are we allowed to get, like, if we're not going to put CD or Devonte? I don't think we're allowed to get really weird or really, you know. Did Kadarius Tony return anything in college? I really don't know. You know, like, if if we're playing around with all possibilities here, as BLG looks it up, I mean, you know, it's it's worth kicking around every, every single possibility just in, in the name of options because there really aren't a lot. I mean, and I don't think that this isn't like an indictment of the NFC East. There aren't a lot. I think of, like, stud returners in general in the NFL. Yeah. Um, but so that's just kind of it is what it is. But did, did Tony have anything that, that makes you feel better about him? I did see he left practice early today, by the way, over on Big Blue Ooh. View. So something to
2: watch might be minor. We'll see. Um, he had a 21.6 uh, kick return average, so not really good and didn't score a single mm. touchdown. As a part returner, he was better, um, although most of the work came in his senior season, when he in a small sample size, he had 11 for 139. So a 12.6 average and one touchdown. So, I mean, I guess he's in the mix too. But I think, I mean, Rager's college numbers were better than that. So, look, I am far from a Jalen Rager stand. Anyone who knows <laughs> leading your nation knows that about me. But I, like, again, it's slim pickings and he's had like, he was really, he was a legitimate weapon at it in college, like really, really good. So maybe any, and again, he had a touchdown return last year. So maybe there's hope for him in that regard.
1: Um, I'm fine with that. So then overall here, we've got Tressway at punter, Graham Gano at kicker. Who was the long snapper you made up? Rick
2: Rick Lovato. Uh,
1: Rick Lovato. Uh, we have Jalen Rager returning punts and Tony Pollard returning kicks, Mm -hmm. which leaves us head coach and general manager. Um, now the head coach thing, I don't think either one of us are going to sway the other, uh, any NFC mixtape listeners know, um, that you believe in Ron Fair more than anybody in the NFCs, and that I believe in Mike McCarthy more than anyone in the, <laughs> the NFCs, uh, which isn't saying a lot. It is, you know, perhaps the biggest indictment on the division as a whole. I think, though, in the spirit of spicing things up, we should talk about general managers first. Um, I I have a take, and I'm curious if if you agree. So, if you want me to go first, I will, um, yeah. unless you want under- to. Okay. I, again, I'm. Sorry to you and to really all BGN listeners who, again, I am, I am Eagles fans, favorite Cowboys fan. We've established you're this. Wrong. You're already wrong. I know
2: who you're going to say and you're wrong, but I say it anyway.
1: I'm, again, this is not like a game of this person is good at this particular <laughs> job. And sometimes it works out that way, like when we're filling out the all NFC East team. But sometimes it is this person is just the best of the worst. And that is the case here. It is Howie Roseman. That's that's <laughs> it, it is like I'm sorry. It's Howie mm. Roseman, and if anything, if anything, you you have said several times Howie Roseman is great. I don't know if you've said it that way, but he is great at finding yeah. value. And so mm-hmm. if I if I'm gonna have anything at all, at least I'll have a lot of value associated with the rest of this team. And that's that's not horrible. You you talked about winning a Super Bowl as like a, a sort of trump card of sorts in this particular game. Howie Roseman did build a monster of a team that won a Super Bowl. Granted, he destroyed it, but I mean, mm-hmm. the answer is Howie Roseman. Nobody else comes anywhere close.
2: So you're wrong, but I do have Howie Roseman the question mark written down first on this because it's not easy. It's I don't think it, there's a no brainer pick here. Is it Dave Gettleman? I think Dave Gettleman has been better recently, and I previously said he's my favorite general manager in the NFL because of how much of a joke he has been at times, taking Saquon Barkley at two taking Daniel Jones in part because they didn't want to hurt Eli Manning's feelings because there was the whole thing about like Eli Manning, you know, being connected with uh whatever, like Daniel Jones, the quarterback at, at Duke. There was like that whole connection there. Right. It was yeah, like
1: David Cutlass stuff. Yeah, sure.
2: Yeah. They wanted to draft a successor that wouldn't like hurt Eli's feelings. So um, great job with that. Good priority to have. So the Giants, you know, Gettleman has been a joke in the past, although I will admit, I think he's been a little bit better recently or hasn't been as bad, but it's still not him. Washington's weird. Like, who do, who are we saying for Washington? Because like they've had a weird structure. Like right. Kyle Smith was there; he was like running the show, and then now he's not there anymore. And is it Doug Williams? Because he's been there. They added Marnie Herney, but I don't think he's truly running the show. I think he's kind of like there to be like Ron Rivera's top guy, and like it's almost like Rivera's in charge. So I don't, I don't even know who to put for them. Like I, I it's it's hard for for Dallas. Um, it, like the question here that i had for you like we can't put jerry jones here right it's not jerry jones
1: it's roma clay that's that's who, that's what, that's who that's it is yeah but,
2: but he's not truly the gm right like that's the thing this is like this is like top decision maker basically like this isn't just a title this is like like takeaway gm it's not about gm it's about mm-hmm. top decision maker like that's the literal qualification for this thing so so it's kind of weird it's this is a tougher one to parse through because of that i was thinking I had Will McClay Will McClay next to Howie Roseman on my sheet here, also with a question mark, because I think the Cowboys have drafted well. I think they've gotten, um, they've done a good job of identifying talent in the draft, not so much this year, but in years past. And uh, so I have him. It's tough, though. I think with Howie, I have said those things about the value, and yes, that is his strong suit, but he hasn't been as good as that lately on the whole. And it's just really tough for me to look at Super Bowl Fifty Two and like he deserves all the credit in the world for that yes but when you look at the broader scope it's so much clearer that that was lightning in a bottle and not some like like well deserved like totally planned out like stroke of genius kind of thing it was kind of just like getting hot at the very right time kind of like nick Foles in the playoffs that year um so it's tough it's not an easy answer i guess Howie like by default but it just doesn't it's not deserved
1: even i'm I don't know that I quite agree that it was lightning in a bottle. I'm not far away from agreeing on that. By the way, to be clear, it was but, no. I'm, again, I'm not far away from that at all. But if we want to like belittle it to the to the point of just labeling it lightning in a bottle, fine for the purposes of this conversation. And it counts. It, I'm not trying to take it away. To be
2: clear, just to explain the BGN I'm not saying it doesn't count or taking away from it. But I'm saying like this is not this is the exception. This is not the rule.
1: Sure, totally. But even if that's true, and again, I'm not saying it's not. But even if that's the case, who else has even done that? (laughs) Like, you know, I mean, you mentioned Will McClay and I love Will McClay. By the way, I think the person for the purposes of this conversation that we're qualifying for Washington is Doug Williams, just so we have a face to point to. Um, But but uh, he's not in the running either here. Yes. Will McClay has drafted. Well, fine. But the Cowboys have also notoriously not spent in free agency. And Hmm. while, yes, they've drafted well, I mean, they have not drafted well. They're. People used to think like, oh, my gosh, every Cowboys first round pick is amazing. Think about since, I mean, OK, since 20, if I just run the last decade quickly, decade-ish, 2010, Dez Bryant, definitely a hit. 2011, Tyron Smith, awesome. 2012, traded up Mo Claiborne, miss. 2013, Travis Frederick, definite hit. 14, Zach Martin. We all agree that the offensive lineman did extremely well for them. 2015, Byron Jones, obviously a great player, but the Cowboys couldn't decide what to do with him For him, Is he a safety? Is he a corner? What are we going to play him? Whatever the case may be. And then they let him walk in the name of paying an off-the-ball linebacker and a running back, which, again, is suggestive that the front office isn't necessarily great, all due respect to Will McClay. 2016, they took a running back with the fourth overall pick. 2017, they took Taco Charlton over T.J. Watt. 2018, they took Leighton Vander Esch and now are like, man, he just really can't stay healthy when that was known then. Right. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, they obviously didn't have a first round pick. Kudos. They cashed in on Amari Cooper. That was great. Then last year. Yes, their draft class looked awesome. Um, and the Dak thing really muddies the waters to be able to totally analyze what they did last year. But my point is, like, like, who, who's a late round pick in recent memory that is awesome for the Cowboys besides Dak Prescott? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they they have had success, and I'm not trying to say like they're trash or they're losers or whatever. But I mean, they their greatest achievement comes nowhere close to Howie Roseman's greatest achievement. Granted, there's a lot of suck there with Howie Roseman too. He he just shouldn't be the GM. Like that's a, that's 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 a truth. Like, he
2: shouldn't be the general manager. He shouldn't he shouldn't be like it doesn't make sense that he was retained. Um, so that's, like, why I have such a hard time, like, putting him here. I mean, you kind of talked me into it by default only, though. It's not because, like, he deserves to be here. It is just because of something he did really well in the past, which is a long time ago now. And like you said, he destroyed it. He That's that's the biggest thing and a, a huge frustration with Howard Grossman. It's its opportunity cost. It's not just, like, I think people think about it as if, like, he went all in, he pushed all the chips in, and they won a Super Bowl, so it was worth it. That wasn't the situation. Like, they could have had good years yeah, in the Super Bowl, and he wasted it. He squandered it. I think about, like, the Phillies, who, uh, I don't know if you're a big baseball fan, RJ, but, like, they won the World Series, I believe it was 2008, and, like, they had these really awesome teams after that, but then, like, they didn't win anything. They actually, like, progressively got worse each year. It's like, they lost the World Series the next year, then they lost in the championship game the next year, then they lost in the NLDS. Like, it just progressively got worse, and it was like while we have the memory of that one title, it's hard not to think about that era and think like they wasted opportunity. Like there there was so much potential to do more and that kind of, it's not the perfect comparison, but it's similar there. So it's just kind of frustrating that uh, it ended up this way.
1: It is frustrating, but it doesn't mean he's not the best general manager on paper in the division. And that's, that's where things are at. I mean, that's mm. simply the case. And some of in a that terrible
2: division in, the, in well, the worst division in the league.
1: Again, <laughs> This is not apples to apples, and not to set you up, but some of that, the history of success, some of it is my argument for Mike McCarthy. But there's a lot there too that we've already hashed out at different times. Uh, but wow, big Howie Roseman day here on the mixtape. Who would have thought? BLG,
2: not him. He, uh, I think he's aware that
1: I am but not his biggest the, fan. <laughs> the good news, though, here is that. Our all NFC East team, both now and in the foreseeable future, will be quarterback factory. Like, watch out, Dak Prescott. You know what I mean? Because Howie Roseman's mm-hmm. going to want somebody here. I mean, mm-hmm. you know? So, wow. Look at that. What it, I mean, that is just really sad. What's, what's more sad, though, than that Howie Roseman is the tallest person here, is that 50% of this group you know, needs this like incredible fleshing out to figure out who we're even just qualifying as the general manager in both the Cowboys and the Washington football team. That in and of itself says a lot about this division.
2: It was the worst division in the NFL last year. There's a reasonable chance it's not I mean it's not gonna be the best division in sports this year. We I'm pretty confident in saying that, or or just in the NFL. It's probably not going to be one of the top three divisions in the league this year. Um, might not even be top half. So, what divisions it's, yeah, it's could really, be worse?
1: And and what divisions I could think be worse. The NFC North is there if Aaron Rodgers gets traded. That's certainly the case. Um, I think the NFC South or the AFC South, excuse me, has that potential if the Colts really do fall off and if the Titans mm-hmm. aren't this monster just because they traded for Julio Jones. I mean, yeah. You know? uh, yeah, I don't know.
2: I think they're still bottom three at best. <laughs>
1: Um Wow. Do you want to pivot to head coach? Well, I mean, like I said, we've both said everything that we have to say about Mike McCarthy and Ron Rivera. There's no there's we're not going to come to a consensus answer here. I think that Mike McCarthy is the best. There's I don't think that Ron Rivera did anything that was ridiculous. Again, we're talking football accomplishments. The, the personal things that happened to Ron Rivera last year are incredibly impressive what he went through how he persevered that goes without saying but i don't think he did anything in a football sense that impresses me more than mike mccarthy nothing there's i mean they beat the steelers that's that's what everyone like kind of hangs their head on they beat the steelers last year who were floundering already at the mm-hmm. time that was in um, Pittsburgh.
2: that was a really good win for it them. was
1: but it, it wasn't like you know they, they got treated for like slaying the dragon i sure. mean like if if we look at their wins Week one, they beat the Philadelphia Eagles, which, okay, fine. But, I mean, as time would tell us, that was not that impressive of a victory. They beat the Dallas Cowboys without Dak Prescott, mind you. Um, and and having taken a cheap shot at Andy Dalton by then, although they were still going to win that game, they beat the Cincinnati Bengals in a game where they knocked out Joe Burrow. They beat the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas, to be fair, on Thanksgiving. And I hate mentioning this as, like, a relevant data point, but it mm. was it was, again... Life is much more important and much bigger than football. We both acknowledge that. We, we you and I spoke that week on Friday Football Friday. Um, the Cowboys were in a in a haze. I mean, because Marcus Paul had passed away, um, they had very little practice time as a result of it. They really they got overwhelmed. And Washington won that football game, and they deserve football credit for it. All I'm saying is, it, you know, they didn't exactly catch the Cowboys on their best day. Then they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were the first team to beat them. Cool. They beat, I mean, we mentioned stats a little while ago, a complete shell of a 49ers team. And their final win was one that Doug Peterson handed to them on a silver plate uh, you know, move that he wasn't even thanked for by the organization to the point that they fired him. I mean, like, what did the what did Washington do last year that is impressive?
2: Here's my here's the way I'll frame it for you. Was the Washington football team ever like a disaster last year?
1: I think so. I think football wise, they were like there was, a. I think, from weeks two through six, they were a disaster. Certainly
2: when Dwayne Haskins was starting.
1: Yes. But I mean, and mm-hmm. granted, they they got out of that and good for them. And but who, they,
2: in, Ron Rivera did not take Dwayne Haskins and clearly like did not really want him to be the starter, but was probably forced to by the organization. That, sure. Dan Snyder came off the boat to make the pick.
1: In that sense, though, if we're willing to qualify that, how are we not willing to qualify? Mike McCarthy spent his whole year prepping for Dak Prescott. Had that ruined in the first month of the season, and then had Andy Mike McCarthy had to start a rookie seventh round pick from James Madison on Sunday Night Football. I mean, do you think he wanted him any more than Ron Rivera wanted Dwayne Haskins? Granted, for very different reasons. No, of course not. And again, I and I can't say how um, how much I hate you know. Injecting life as you know, data points and variables for football. Mike McCarthy's team went through a lot in terms of you know, what happened to them as human beings. Mike McCarthy also lost a lot of personal friends. Kevin Green passed away, Ted Thompson. I mean, obviously, all the time he spent with the Green Bay Packers. I mean, and again, like I'm not trying to just you know, whoa, is Mike McCarthy here, but those, those are things that happened. I mean, if and again, I all the personal stuff like Ron Rivera's is away from football, but the Cowboys went through a lot. Mike McCarthy didn't exactly have a say in the things that became trials and tribulations for his team last season.
2: I think the the floor is lower for Mike McCarthy. I think we've seen the Packers be an absolute disaster under him. I think we've seen the Cowboys be a disaster under him, especially more so comparatively than Ron Rivera, who I think his teams generally have responded to adversity better. And adversity is going to hit. That's part of the NFL. And I think that's what defines a good head coach. It's how you respond to it. And I just don't love the way that we saw things being leaked. Like the players were complaining about Mike McCarthy last year. When did we ever see anyone complaining about Ron Rivera?
1: Maybe it's different, you know, because they the weren't Rivera complaining situation. about McCarthy. They were complaining mm. about Mike Nolan. That's a different thing. And who granted- hired No one that that was a decision that Mike McCarthy made, totally with you. And again, I'm not saying, but this is kind of like Howie Roseman. I'm not saying Mike McCarthy is flawless or is great or is perfect or undeniably good at. I think he's great at or good and bordering on great at offensive. You know, mm-hmm. not wizardry, but I think he has a feel for the offensive side of the ball. And I think that he obviously came in with a little bit of hubris, which is why he thought he could just bring Mike Nolan in and everything would be fine on defense. And that backfired on him. I think he, you know, had been away from the game for a year and he maybe forgot how vocal players can be and how they might not necess- not might not necessarily take to someone like Mike Nolan being their defensive coordinator after so much time away. And I think he underestimated even though he came from the Green Bay Packers, the spotlight that is the Dallas Cowboys, because he stepped in it several times. I mean, he even did it again this offseason when he inadvertently revealed that Tyrone Crawford was retiring. I mean, so I think he's a little bit clumsy with stuff like that, and that can, you know, be a fault of his sometimes. But you mentioned he was a disaster with the Green Bay Packers, his worst season as the Green Bay Packers head coach in terms of when he had Aaron Rodgers. So like not counting his first his first season he went four and or not four and twelve excuse me eight and eight. His worst season as the Green Bay Packers head coach as far as things being fine was in 2017 and they went seven and nine, which is what the Washington football team did last year in a division that was terrible. Like what what win And I don't want to just like you know be picky and take away, but outside of the Pittsburgh win, what win did Washington have that makes you go, man, what a great football team? Because the options are Philadelphia twice, which is really one and a half, Cincinnati, Dallas twice under inordinate circumstances, and (laughs) San Francisco over Mike McCarthy, the coach you're arguing for, sure. But again, you can if if we're if we're talking about the weeks leading up to that. The first Mm. week that the the first week the Cowboys played Washington, they also were without Zach Martin. And injuries are part of the game, right? Like Ron Rivera's team had to deal with injuries too. What you know, whatever. But again, John Bostic had a dirty hit on Andy Dalton. They took him out. And to be clear, the Cowboys would have still lost that game. But I mean, and the second one again, I mentioned I I hate talking about what happened the week leading up to Thanksgiving because. It is so much more important than football. But Mike McCarthy even said that week that he didn't know what his team was going to look like on Thanksgiving against Washington. I I don't think that that's a fair game to to evaluate one way or the other. Anybody involved that day. I think
2: that the way Ron Rivera's teams fight for him generally, I just have more confidence in that than the way players seem to kind of like dip out or quit. Or just not always show up under Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy does not inspire confidence in me. I can't have him as my coach. I'm how do Ron, Ron Rivera... River-
1: do you know how many seasons Ron Rivera's had a sub-500 record as a head coach in the NFL? Sure. I yes. don't think they quit you- on him. I want you to guess how many... Okay, now, now if you're talking about not quitting, you're going to bat for Jason Garrett, of all people, because that was like his thing, is that his team <laughs> doesn't quit on him. So I want you to guess, of his 10 seasons in the NFL, how many he had a below 500 record.
2: Yeah, but it's not just about legacy here. Like it's about like last year. Seven.
1: The answer is seven. Monica Geller. The Friends reunions on HBO. Go watch it. It's really good. Um, I enjoyed it. But seven. I mean, like his his notable seasons are the exception to the rule. He also didn't have
2: Aaron Rodgers. Like one of the best quarterbacks to ever play. So he had Cam Newton.
1: He had Cam Newton. Cam and and his greatest season. Very
2: flawless player. He.
1: There is truth to that. Cam, Cam and this is a different discussion. Maybe we had this discussion, this discussion on the explanation NFL show. It was Cam Newton's 2015 season. Like, it's in, like, the top five greatest NFL seasons a quarterback has ever had,
2: right? The one season,
1: yes, but he was not consistent at all. No, I'm not saying that, but my point is, like, Ron Rivera's greatest season was when arguably the greatest red zone quarterback we've ever seen was at the absolute peak of his powers. Ron Rivera is the head coach to have overseen the last two teams who have won a division with a below 500 record that is not a coincidence it is he is an incredibly lucky head coach in that those you know circumstances worked his way twice what has Mike McCarthy had that is any shred of luck compared to that
2: well the real answer here is that Nick Sirianni is going to be the best <laughs> head coach no um.
0: support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
2: Obviously, we can't even consider him. To touch on the other ones, we're just going to keep going back and forth on this. But right. to touch on the other ones, um, Sirianni, I mean, just impossible to say because we don't know. Um, seems to be like saying the right things depending on how you feel about him. If you like the mantra about competition and everything. I like his energy. I think that's good. I don't know if that means he's going to be a good head coach, but I think it's a nice, whatever. Um, it's not going to be as nice. if like they're going again, like two and 10. And, yeah. It,
1: it, it'll it <sighs> wear out. Like all the rock, paper, yeah. scissors stuff will come back and really bite him in the butt. Totally.
2: So uh, we'll see how that goes. And Joe judge. I think Joe judge did some nice things in year one. Um, it seemed like there was like a minute there where they're like, Joe judge is actually coach of the year. Remember that? Like before like a little oh, bit, dude. like that kind of, like that kind of, it wasn't a real I mean, thing, obviously. But like, remember kind of, when,
1: know. remember when people thought that they were going to win the division and they were really, really, really good That well, they because close. they, well, see, like this, this kind of happens kind of like we talked about the, the Jake Elliott kick against the Giants, incidentally, right? Like people remember one moment. And so they like, or, they go or, to they uh, go, Jason Witten. Yeah. Right. Or they go, they go to bat like for somebody or some team off of one moment. Do you know what that one moment was for the Giants last year? It's very obvious no it was when they went to seattle with colt mccoy and beat the oh, seahawks a moment but, i thought you meant like a play sorry yeah well, no, no sorry game. yeah yeah. Like, yeah yeah but because again if we're looking at the quality of wins here um, uh, they they started off zero and five that this is a, this is the team who wanted the eagles week one blg the team that started zero and five last year was was talking crap um uh, mm-hmm. but they beat the, we both agree the Washington football, or the New York Giants are really bad, and they swept Ron Rivera last year. But I digress. Anyway, they beat the Washington football team. Those were their first two wins. They went, they got to two and seven by way of beating Ron Rivera. Then they beat the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, and they arguably should have beat them the time before. Uh, shout out to Evan Ingram, who you did not allow to be the tight end on this team. Um, then they beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Like the Bengals were a doorstep for the worst. Like that's the we've talked before on the Espionage and the fellowship about coaches on the hot seat. Zach Taylor got owned yeah. by the 2020 NFC East to put in perspective, how bad he is. Uh, yeah. But the, the Seahawks, which was a great moment. And then, yeah, they beat the tar out of the Cowboys in week 17, but like, what did the, like the Seahawks moment was fine, but that's just football, right? Like weird stuff happens. That ultimately. I just, I can't, I really can't believe how anyone could have any level of confidence in the Giants this year. I can't, I can't find one thing that I really, really, really like about their team.
2: Uh, I mean, there's a couple things you can pick. Like if you're talking about like the cornerbacks, are, I think are going to be really good. I think the receivers have a chance to be good, but there's obviously issues there. I'm not going to you know cape for the Giants right now, but I will say I think Joe Judge like has a shot. Whereas like the Pat Shermer hire, I was like it was like just a failure from like that guy. There's no chance. Like Pat Shermer was a joke that was known before he was hired, and then predictably he was a joke of a head coach. Like with Joe Judge, I think there's something there. Kind of like how I feel like Jones, uh, Daniel Jones. Like there's something there. I'm not betting on it to pan out, but like I will acknowledge there is like a best case scenario where it kind of does work out well for them. Like I can maybe maybe like squint and like see how that goes. <laughs> um, I think he is not as big of a joke of a coach as people thought he was when he was like doing all the, uh, basically like the football guy kind of well, stuff. Like when, like when he
1: fielded the punt and everything. Yeah, totally.
2: Like all that stuff. Yeah, I think I think he's probably like, more like fine i don't think he's like a total joke i don't think he's a total disaster i think he's probably just at best kind of like fine so obviously he's not in the, the the running right now for uh for although like if the giants do get hot and they do i mean because expectations seem to be pretty low for them like he has a path to coach of the year like because there was kind of this okay they kind of showed something in year one and now let's say they win the nfc east at and let's say they win like 10 games somehow well then he could be in the running
1: that's Fair, although I think the likelihood is much larger that he's a disaster. He's dismissed midseason, and that it's Jason not going to happen. Well, and that Jason Garrett takes his rightful place at the top of the New York Giants. That mm. I guarantee you, and it will be. He will be dismissed the week before the Giants play the Cowboys for the second time. That's just the way it's going to go, dude. I mean, it's. It's theater. You can predict this. You know what I mean? Like the the bad the 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 people in the movie, you know, just knock the bad guy out and are walking away and leaving the weapon on the ground. You know what I mean? It's super obvious what's going to happen here. Who will be a head coach sooner, Jason Garrett or Kellen Moore? Oh wow, what a great question! Um, I think Kellen Moore is the next head coach of the Bengals. To be totally clear here, um, because I do think that Zach Taylor, the only like. And I've talked about this with stats. This has been a big stats episode of the NFC's mixtape. Um, he about, listens so. <laughs> um, is the Bengals do hold on to coaches forever? Like that's part of their flaws. So that does muddy the Zach Taylor waters a little bit. Um, but I think Kellen Moore is a new head coach. I think Kellen Moore is a head coach in two years. I if the question is what happens first, Jason Garrett takes over the Giants, or Kellen Moore's a head coach, I'm leading Jason Garrett. But if it's any non Giants team, I'm taking Kellen Moore. Okay, yeah. I'm going to take Kellen Moore when uh, Mike McCarthy gets fired. <laughs> um, I, I've brought this up before, but it was before the draft, so I'll bring it up now. I maintain the only team – I'll add a second one. The only teams in the NFC that I am 100% confident will have a worse season than the New York Giants are the Detroit Lions, and I've added a second team. Do you want to guess who that is? The Eagles. No, the Carolina Panthers.
2: Hmm. They're in the minute. So I did a power rankings, obviously, as you know, a couple of weeks ago. And Jimmy Kemsky and I were talking about that in the latest BGN radio. Like, where do we have the Eagles and the NFCs, the NFC, and then the NFL as a whole. And when the NFC conversation came up, it was like, like who's defini- who is definitively worse than the Eagles? Like, how many teams are you definitely saying 100% are worse than them?
1: the Giants, the Lions, the, Lions, I- the Panthers? I wouldn't
2: even say the Giants. I would say the Lions for sure. I think you could make a case for the Giants, but I think the case is stronger that they're more similar than like definitely worse. So we're talking about like definitely, definitely worse. I think it's only the Lions.
1: If we're agreeing here that the Eagles and Giants are in the bottom four of the 16 NFC teams, right? That's kind of where we're floating right here. If Aaron Rodgers is traded to the Denver Broncos, say, or any AFC team, are the Packers in this mix? Are Are they below the Giants and or
2: Eagles? So we were talking, Jimmy and I were talking about that. So it was like, who is even in the conversation that could be worse than them? The Panthers we agreed on could be, but we'll see. And then Jimmy brought up the Packers, but I don't know. Cause I don't know what Jordan Love is. I think he, he might be good. And obviously the coaching staff there, I don't know how much credit to give Matt LaFleur, but like maybe he's kind of okay, at least too. I mean, you know, they've done good things. It's hard to say like, he's a total joke, but um, I don't know. I, it's hard to say because I, I just don't know what jordan love is but i'm not going to say there's i'm not going to assume he's like terrible is there right. is there going to be a huge drop off from you know rogers to love sure but like, i don't know that he's suddenly like the worst starter in the nfl
1: um i've been thinking about this or thinking about telling you this and this is the appropriate moment to given the packers uh narrative we're talking about here it's a fine note to end on i think because we haven't even brought up carson Wentz, which is a uh, nfc's mixtape miracle um but do you remember last year how all of the talk was man Carson Wentz really took the Eagles drafting Jalen Hurts poorly like why can't he be acting like Aaron Rodgers is with the Packers drafting Jordan Love I kind of think comparatively that Carson Wentz took it better like yes mm. he he floundered <laughs> um, and, and 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 broke inwardly hang on but he didn't like grow an unstoppable you know level mm. of test for his organization to the point I mean I guess yes, the he difference did. <laughs> Okay, the, the difference then is obviously that he doesn't have the cachet or the leverage that Aaron Rodgers does to like exploit it and what are you talking about? He forced his way out, he's on a
2: new team. You know, he, he, was, and like, he
1: only went to the team he wanted to go to. But I guess that's true. But he does my point is like he's not and some of this is just that he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not the one who was on Kenny Mayne's last sports center being all cryptic about whatever he wants to do. But I guess my main point is that people acted like Aaron Rodgers wasn't at all impacted. And and he clearly has been, and that's that's my only point.
2: I well, I would say he did a better job of separating it from like playing football. To that's a fair point. You know, that's that's, but that's the that's the what matters the most. I mean, I I I get what you're saying in terms of he's been a bigger off-field distraction, but that's because the Packers don't want to get rid of him. Like it was easy for the Eagles to be like, yeah, like go because you were bad and you do a lot of money and you're trying to drive a hard bargain and you clearly don't want to be here so they were able to do that and it worked out um i, I would not say he handled it better than aaron Rodgers did because the on he, he was the worst starting quarterback in the nfl last year how could he handle it any worse and then he, he demanded a great, the trade because he didn't even think he was bad as everyone thought he was it's there's no reality uh carlson wins yeah
1: hmm. i guess my to amend my point from a moment ago, it's just that people people said like the take was that oh look how Aaron Rodgers handling it, it. Yeah. he's he's not upset at all when he clearly is ridiculously not even ridiculously he is just severely upset by it so uh but that is a yeah. great point that not only did Carson force his way out but he literally went to the one place that he wanted to go um, that's all he,
2: that, yeah he like there was talk like that the Bears wanted him and that was never going to happen because he didn't want to go there and the Bears can't trade for a quarterback who doesn't want to be there so yeah. I
1: um I remember you doing a great what if uh, for SBnation about or not at what if, but just kind of the impact that Teddy Bridgewater had, his injury had on on the Eagles and everything uh, mm, with Philadelphia training in Minnesota. Yeah. Right, um, I think that and maybe and we haven't discussed maybe a what if episode that we'll do is what if what if Josh McDaniels hadn't spurned the Colts um, because a lot could be very different. In fact, I mean, it's possible that you know. That Carson Wentz is still awesome. It's possible the Eagles repeat. I mean, it's it's possible Nick Foles' life is very different. It's possible you know Howie Roseman's legacy is very different. Like Josh McDaniels spurning the Colts, or we could even go further back if we want and say like, what if Josh McDaniels had never even taken an interview with them? Like who who gets that Colts job because him taking that job, he hired Matt Eberflus and, and poached him from the Cowboys, who Frank Reich inherited, obviously. Uh, but Josh McDaniels. I don't even want to say incidentally, like certainly it was purposeful, but had a massive impact on the NFC East and certainly the whole Philadelphia Eagles organization.
2: Okay. Never thought about it that way. Josh McDaniels, almost Eagles head coach this off season.
1: Right. But think think about that. Cause if he hadn't left, cause all the, all the other, when Frank Reich got that Colts job and now we're just kind of spoiling next week and we'll get into it. But if, if he just takes the job, there's no more geeks for Frank Reich. He, you know what I mean? He just, he stays on.
2: Well, he probably gets hired the next year, though. Very sure.
1: possibly, but that that um, 2018 Eagles team was still really good. Obviously. Yeah, absolutely. No, and, I yeah. And he but maybe he handles the Carson Nick Foles thing a little bit easier.
2: If Frank Reich doesn't get hired either, he probably. I'm I'm guessing Josh McDaniels isn't hiring Nick Sirianni away from the Chargers oh, at that holy point. Holy crap! <laughs> and then there yeah. you go. So
1: wow, look at that. Uh, okay. Next week's episode is a massive what if on uh Philadelphia Eagles. I also, um, it will there's a, a Cowboys what if that I'll tease. Uh, I've written about this before though, so it is out there. Um, and and when I wrote about it, everybody got really upset. Uh, but in 2016, the Cowboys went to training camp with Tony Romo, hoping to come back obviously after missing a lot of time the previous year, and his lone mm-hmm. veteran backup was Kellen Moore. Uh, Alone notable veteran backup and they had a rookie fourth round pick and Dak Prescott sitting behind, you know, both of them on the bench. And Kellen Moore got hurt. He hurt his he hurt his ankle in training camp. That elevated Dak Prescott and Antonio Roma got hurt in week three. But the Cowboys were toying with signing another veteran quarterback, and Nick Foles' name came up. Yes. And so what happens if the Cowboys sign Nick Foles? Like I and When I wrote about this, a lot of people were like, are you saying the Cowboys win the Super Bowl? No, I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> I'm just saying he's not there to lead the Eagles to the Super Bowl. Is Nate Sudfeld doing what Nick Foles did in the Super Bowl that year? Who's the guy instead? Like, There's a great what-if to look back on that 2016-17 era for both the Cowboys and Eagles.
2: Nick Foles, a Texas football legend. Westlake High School, right? Where mm-hmm. uh, Drew Brees was once upon a time. But that was 2016, right, you're saying? So that would have yeah, been, so- if he signed a one-year deal... Then he still did free agent the next year.
1: Right. But who knows? Like, because yeah. the, what, the, what if is, you know, would the Cowboys have turned to him instead of Kellen Moore? Would we ever have right. seen Dak Prescott? Would, would Nick Foles have stuck around with Dallas in 2017? Would his career have yeah. fizzled out so much that maybe even the Eagles don't take him back? Like, you know, because mm-hmm. I think that year he went to Kansas city instead, if I'm correct. He,
2: yes. Yeah. The Rams cut and, him and he went to the chiefs and he played like a little bit. Yeah. When Alex
1: Smith got hurt. Right. And so there's a great what if. I mean, you know, who knows? And maybe if he doesn't even look somewhat legitimate in 2016, who knows if the Chiefs draft Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, there's <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot to go there. So that will be what we hit on next week. Good job by BLG and I workshopping uh, next week's episode, uh, mid-episode here. Uh, BLG, any final thoughts before we leave? Strong episode by us,
2: despite the fact True. we led with NFC all uh nfc east all special all nfc east special teams team nailed it mm. flawlessly uh rachel just edit out the uh, the no i'm just kidding leave that in um uh yeah no really great stuff other than do the reverse review obviously that rj talked about earlier um also with the review thing uh tell us how you found this podcast Ooh. that's fun right like if, if you're especially if you're struggling what do i leave as a review like don't like it's kind of funny we read reviews. We're just reading good stuff about ourselves. If you think that's weird, which you can be, but we appreciate it. Uh, why don't you read a story or write a story that we can read that's relevant to you and how you found the NFC's mixtape, or maybe it's just how you found Blogging the Boys, or maybe it's how you found Bleeding Green Nation, and maybe we could read one of those, although obviously we will be uh, biased towards the one that talked about the mixtape. So go do that, and thanks.
1: We can also tell our own stories, how you first found Bleeding Green Nation, how I first found Blogging the Boys. If gonna, True. You know, dip back into the archive. So, sure. Uh, cool. Good idea, BLG. Uh, the first one you've had today, because the worst one was that Ron Rivera should be the coach of the uh, All-NFC East team. But anyway, it is what it is. Congratulations to Howie Roseman, the All-NFC East channel manager, the best general manager in the world. We love you all. We'll see you next week on Volume 9 of the NFC East